With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazed dogs. This is Bengals Game Plan on the Bengals Radio Network. <laughs> Brought to you by Bud Light, the perfect beer for whatever happens. <laughs> this is Cincinnati's ESPN, the official home of the Bengals. A very pleasant good evening, everybody. Welcome to our first edition of the Bengals Game Plan Show for 2016. I'm Dan Hort, alongside my partner and pal, former Bengals offensive lineman Dave Lapham, and we are not cooped up in the studio this year on Wednesday nights. We are taking the show on the road nearly every Wednesday, and on eight of those Wednesday nights, we will be here at Envision Cinemas in Blue Ash, a new state-of-the-art movie theater, restaurant, and event space at the intersection of Cornell and Kenwood. In addition to their high-tech theater with motorized recliners, you've got a 200-seat bar and grill with 50 TVs, 40 beers on tap, a great menu, which we will look forward to yes. plowing through, as we always do. Yes. We are going to have a lot of fun here at uh, Envision Cinemas in Blue Ash. I'll tell you, it's taken the cinema experience to a new level. I mean, they've raised the bar to the point of it's. you can't even – I don't know what you would call it. I think you'd call it – you can't call it a night out. You'd call it a super night out when you, when you hit Envisions. There's no question about it. All right. And again, we are going to be here for eight Wednesdays, and this is our debut show of the year, so we invite you to come out and join us. We'll be here until 8 o'clock tonight. Lots of seats available. Again, we are in Blue Ash and Vision Cinemas Bar and Grill at the corner of Cornell Road and Kenwood. Lap, it has been seven months and 29 days since the meltdown yes. at Paul Brown. The two-point loss to the Steelers that ended what had been a great season for the Cincinnati Bengals. There's been a lot of talk about the final minute and 50 seconds of that game since. Is it behind them, in your opinion, and did they learn from it? It better be behind them. You know, and I, I think Marvin Lewis has done everything he possibly can, along with his coaching staff, for it to be behind him. The good news is there's so many new coaches that weren't even a part of it, honestly. And, and I, players. And players, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of a lot of players that were, and um, I think the thing they have to realize is, if you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers or lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, it doesn't mean a hill of beans when you're going into New York. I mean, there's no carryover whatsoever from one season to the next, and it, it's very very true. I mean, just because you make the playoffs one year does not make mean you're going to make it a second year, and the fact that they've done it five times in a row, six out of the last seven, is extraordinary. It really is. I mean, it it's, hasn't been done. By many franchises, the best run in Bengals franchise history for regular season for sure. Obviously, the flying New England is not being able to get that playoff win, but uh, I do think that they've put it behind them. They, they will be reminded, though, constantly. Every time they are interviewed by other town media, other city media, that's the first thing that's going to be brought up. So they're going to have to get used to that because that's just a fact of life. When you melt down like they melted down, it's going to be talked about. Oddly enough, they opened the season against a team that had yeah. a similar ending. Yeah. In a sense, the New York Jets. The Jets were 10-5 and with a five-game winning streak with one game to go last year. They were facing their former head coach, Rex Ryan, now the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. If the Jets win that game, they're in the playoffs. 
The Steelers are out. The Bengals would have never faced Pittsburgh in that uh, January 9th, I believe it was January 9th game. Uh, but instead, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter. Rex Ryan and the Bills won that ball game, and the Jets had to deal with meltdown questions of their own. Yeah, they really, really did, Dan. And, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick had 15 interceptions last year. Six of them came on third down, and six of them also came in the fourth quarter of a game that was within winning uh, range, seven points or less. Three of them happened in the fourth quarter of that uh, Buffalo Bills game that they lost 22-17. to So three of those interceptions kind of uh, skews that number a little bit because it all happened, I mean, the disaster in that fourth quarter. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, three interceptions. I mean, I, it has to be every possession. I don't know how many more than three possessions you get in the fourth quarter. And he, and he threw an interception in every one of them. But those six interceptions of, uh, in the fourth quarter of seven-point games tied for the most in the National Football League. So we know for a fact, having seen Ryan Fitzpatrick play here, and I have a nephew that played with him at Harvard. They were co-captains together at, at Harvard, Brian Lapham and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the same thing at Harvard. He was very streaky. Now, he was good streaky, more than bad streaky at Harvard, but when he got in a bad stretch, it was difficult. You know, he, he had a tough time with it. So hopefully the Bengals' uh, double-A gap defense will get him in a, in a bad stretch. And out of that double-A gap uh, look, they can run 25 different blitzes and coverages. And it, it's confused a lot of really good quarterbacks. I mean, I remember Aaron Rodgers looking at Mike Zimmer and saluting him because he couldn't figure it out. Tom Brady was, was confused here in Cincinnati. I remember him shrugging. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's had his problems with it. Uh, Joe Flacco has had immense problems with it, and they see it twice a year. So when you have 25 different things you can do, coverage and blitz-wise, out of that double-A gap look, you can run something in game one against the Jets and not run it again until about game 11. And that's the beauty of it. You can't really get a handle on exactly what they're going to do out of that double-A gap when they walk the linebackers up in those center guard gaps because there's such a myriad of things they can do out of it. Andy Benoit from Sports Illustrated said this about Jets quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is cursed with a gunslinger's mentality. He is Brett Favre with a fraction of the talent. Yeah, I'd say a fraction of the talent, that's, that's tough. That's a tough uh, criticism. I, he, does, he doesn't have Brett Favre's arm, there's no question, but he does have Brett Favre's gunslinger mentality, you know, and I th- honestly think that he's more mobile than Brett Favre was. Ryan Fitzpatrick can run. I mean, that's something he's always been able to do, and he can, you know, get out of pocket and extend create, and create plays, but uh, he, he can help himself. I don't know if that if that uh, Harvard education and law of averages starts computing in his head, and he says, "I'm going to bust this, this these odds," or what he's gonna, what he does. But I'm telling you, I, I, he'd probably be a lot of fun to go watch in, in Vegas because he'd be at the thousand uh, dollar betting table, I think, at blackjack. On the flip side of the ball, the Jets have Muhammad Wilkerson on their defensive line. He got an eighty-six million dollar contract extension in the offseason. And the guy fascinates me for this reason. The Jets play in New York, media capital of the world, and yet it seems to me Muhammad Wilkerson is kind of like Geno Atkins was a few years ago. The rest of the league recognizes he's one of the best defensive players in football, but nationally I don't think he gets nearly the attention that that, that deserves. I agree. I mean, the guy, he had a 12-sack season last year, and, and he's he's very versatile. I mean, they've got, they had three defensive linemen. Sheldon Richardson no longer in the mix because he's suspended for this football game only. Sheldon Richardson, to me, 
when I watch tape of last season, 91, it's a different deal without Sheldon Richardson in there. Sheldon Richardson played like 182, 184 snaps at outside linebacker in Todd Bowles' system. So he played outside linebacker. He played defensive tackle, defensive end. You lose a guy of that kind of versatility, it it really hurts you. But And I mean, he's like a 280-pound guy. 290. He's yeah. over 290. And uh, and that's the thing. Leonard Williams and Muhammad Wilkerson are both over 290 as well. They had three guys over 290 pounds that could play defensive tackle, defensive end, and in Richardson's case, lined up almost 200 snaps at outside linebacker. So you lose that guy, uh, you know, you lose the third angle of the triangle. <laughs> you know, you can't double everybody. You, you, you can't double-team three guys, you know, with, with players. That's, that's more offensive linemen than you have. You can double a couple of uh, down linemen if you need to, with tight ends and running backs and that sort of thing. It's an easier thing to do and still get people out in routes. So I, I think that hurts them. Obviously, Vontez Burfick's suspension hurts the Bengals. Sheldon Richardson's suspension hurts the New York Jets uh, just as much, maybe even more. The last time the Bengals lost their opener was in Chicago a few years ago. That day, the Bears' offensive lineman, uh, offensive lineman lineup excuse me, included Brandon Marshall at wide receiver yep. and Matt Forte at running back. Both of those guys will be in a Jets uniform this week. And uh, I, I still performing very well. I mean, Matt Forte, this, this guy is, is, you know, gifted. Since 2008, when he came into the National Football League, he has more scrimmage yards than anybody. Any player in the league since he's been in the in the league, over 8,000 uh, rushing and over 4,000 receiving. So I mean, the guy the guy's a dynamic player, and he's he's such a great receiver out of the backfield. He and Belil Powell, both those guys, you know, the receivers are getting a lot of uh, notoriety, and they should. I mean, Brandon Marshall is six four, two hundred and thirty pounds, and uh, and Eric Decker is six three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. And they combined for 26 touchdowns. Brandon Marshall had 14, 10 of those in the red zone. So those guys are big, big red zone targets. And with that size and strength, they go up and they'll pull you, tug you, grab you, get, get to the high point. They make it tougher on smaller defensive backs. But, I, but you're right. I mean, don't fall asleep on Matt Forte. The thing about the, this uh, Jets team, Dan, Marvin referenced it a little bit this morning. The offense came from other places. They have seven of their starters came from different organizations. Brandon Marshall from the Bears, Ryan Clady from Denver, James Carpenter, the left guard from uh, Seattle, uh, Clady, the left tackle, the right tackle, uh, Ijanala uh, came from Indianapolis, Decker from Denver, Fitzpatrick from Buffalo, Forte from Chicago. Seven different players, seven of their 11 starters came from other franchises. The Bengals only have six players on their entire roster that came from other franchises. So one is homegrown, draft, develop, retain, and the other one, seven of their 11 starters on offense came from other organizations, and they have a couple on defense as well, two that we know, Dan. uh, Dan. McClendon came over from Pittsburgh. Buster Screen came over from uh, the Cleveland Browns. It's the Bengals and Jets at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, this Sunday. James Free Rolex kickoff time is 1 o'clock. Does anybody pay retail for a diamond anymore? Not a James Free. James Free Jewelers, 9555 Main Street in Old Montgomery. We're going to take a quick time out. Coming up next, he was in the TV booth for last year's playoff loss. Yes. He'll be there again this Sunday. We're talking about Phil Sims, and we'll talk to him Next, you're listening to the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Bud Light, here on the Bengals Radio Network. Dan Orton, Dave Lapham, back on the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. We are live at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill here in Blue Ash at the intersection of Cornell and Kenwood. We invite you to come out and join us, have some great food. They've got 50 TVs, 40 beers on tap. We'll be here until 8 o'clock tonight. This is the first of eight Wednesdays. We will do the show live from Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill here in Blue Ash. Sunday's game between the Bets of uh, the Bills of uh, the Bengals and the Jets. There we go. Will be televised by CBS. And the network has assigned its number one crew to the game, Jim Nance and Phil Sims. Of those two guys, one was a Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> and he joins us tonight. Phil, Dan and Dave with you tonight. Thanks for taking the time out to join us. Well, good to be with you guys. I'm excited about doing the game this week. Um, I, I think I'm getting the chance to open up the season with two of the better teams in the AFC without question. And you guys are hanging out at a bar and grill. It doesn't sound too bad, so it's a good way to get it going. We'll have an adult beverage in, your, in, in honor of you, my man. Well, no, in my honor, then at least a minimum of three. Let's go. It's, it's time to go. It's, a, it's, play it. it's game time, Dave. Come on. I hear you, Coach. Let me All ask right. you this. Dan and I were just talking about you guys, you and Jim saw the uh, the conclusion of the Bengals playoff game where they self-destructed and, right. and defined self-destruction and bouncing back from that. Ryan Fitzpatrick at the quarterback position throws three interceptions in the fourth quarter of the 22-17 football game that the Jets ultimately lose after a five-game winning streak that would have put them in the playoffs and knocked the Steelers out. As a former quarterback, how do you get over something like that? Oh, shoot, it doesn't matter who you are. Look, you're a professional athlete, you're a player. All players like competition. They can't wait for the next one to come around. You know that. And um, I think when they line up this week, they practice this week, there's no hangover. There's no worrying about what happened last year. You know, I've talked to some bingo coaches, and they had to remind me of Jeremy Hill's fumble. I'm like, you know what? That seems like it was four years ago, and right now I don't care. Right. And so when I do that game on Sunday, I'm sure we'll bring it up. We'll talk about it. But, Dave, you and Dan, and you know, too, players are resilient. That's why they're in the NFL. That's why they're professionals. And they're tough, too. So you, you block all that out, man, and, and you go to training camp. I was on some really bad teams early in my career in the NFL. And when I went to training camp, you know what my thought was? Man, we're gonna win it all. It's gonna fall in place. We got it. It's gonna work. And then we went four and twelve. But <laughs> you know, but optimism—it's real. And I think you—you you both know that the Jets and Bengals, when they walk off the bus, 
They're two of the best five-looking teams in the NFL, and I mean that. they got the look, and the look doesn't lie. When you look the part in the NFL, that generally means you are the part, and just a lot of big-time elite players on both teams, so it should be a great game. Phil, you've been good enough to join us on this show a couple times a year when you're broadcasting Bengals games, and we always ask you about Andy Dalton for obvious reasons. At this point, do you consider him to be among the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Among the best? You know, no, I can't say that. You know, that best list, you know, how deep does it go? It's such an unbelievable list of guys. You know, it's when you talk about Brady and you talk about, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you, you know, and Ben Roethlisberger, they're still at a, at a different level than Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton is not the reason the Bengals have not won the Super Bowl or won a playoff game in the last five years. He had a couple bad games, I think, in those playoff games. But he's plenty good enough to win the Super Bowl. And so everything else has to fall in place, and everybody else has to do their job. And if the opportunity is there, then, yes, he is plenty good enough to get it done, to take advantage of opportunities, and give the Bengals a chance to win and win big. If you were ripping the ball down the field on Sunday uh, at the quarterback position competing against Revis, is it still Revis Island? Is Revis still the guy? Has he lost a half a step or more like some people say? I know they talk about some battles he may have lost last year, um, you know, in, in his one-on-one situations against the best wideouts. What's your take? Right. Well, let me give you a little of my inner Ron Jaworski here. <laughs> I watched every Revis play, Okay. Yeah. I watched every snap he had this preseason. And the guy that I saw last year did not resemble the guy I saw in preseason this year. Hmm. He is healthy. He's got his legs back. He looks fresh. He looks quick. He is smart. And I'll be really surprised if Darrell Revis is not back to the form that we saw. Now, usually, though, Dave, you know, when a player starts to decline, they might stop the decline, but they never go back up. Right. The decline is going to, but I, I, listen, you know, I'm a big, you know, people make fun of me, but I believe in the look. And when you look at him come Sunday, you look at those legs and you tell me if those legs aren't as good as you've seen Darrell Revis's legs ever look. And, and they don't lie. So he's, he is a very intelligent player. He knows the system, and if you just watch him, he's always talking to somebody else to make sure they know that they have a guy if he crosses or whatever. And he's one of the best at reading the quarterback through the receiver to make breaks. So, you know, you got to be scared of him, but I think Terrell Revis, we're going to watch him close. We're going to talk about him a lot. I think he's a big part of the game. And if I had to say yes or no, I'd say he's back and he's going to be, he's going to be a force in that defense this year. All righty. Phil Sims is our guest. The Bengals. That's not good news have... for the Bengals, is it? <laughs> no, it's not good <laughs> That's news. That's not great news. <laughs> but AJ, AJ and Revis, that would be a heck of a matchup to watch. Oh, it will be. You know, I'm excited to see what Ken, Ken Zambezi does with AJ Green. I don't care how long you've been in the system or been with coaches. Everybody has their own way and thoughts about what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what the, the Bengals do with AJ. Do they move him around more? Where do they put him? Will the Jets match up with him? I don't know. You know, guys like A.J. Green, you know, really what I call top-end speed guys are the ones that have really given uh, Darrell Revis trouble. Right, right. Because if, once, he, once he loses a step behind you, sometimes it's hard for him to make it up. So that, that would be interesting. The Jets, very good on defense, really talented, 
very deep. Uh, my first guess would be, I don't know, my first guess is they will not match up with him, so that will be uh, something to watch. Mm-hmm. Phil Sims is our guest. The Bengals don't have Marvin Jones, don't have Mohamed Sanu, won't have Tyler Eifert for the first few games. Right. Are, are you wondering if they have enough weapons to begin the season? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Tyler Boyd from Pitt played the pro system in college. It shows. He's slick-looking. I don't know what the word for it is. Savvy, I guess. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. These receivers come in the NFL now. There's so many good ones. And I watched a lot of preseason football, I'm telling you. Man, my head's about ready to explode. I watched too much preseason. <laughs> but, but I like him. And, you know, James Hardy jumps out at me. He's got the look. I think he, he looks explosive. He's big. So that's going to be interesting, too. Uh, and... Will they miss Tyler Eifert? Sure. You always miss big-time players. But there's many ways to make it up. They have Giovanni Bernard, of course, that you can do more with him. And I'll say this, too. Just watching preseason, and I just watch people individually. You know, Jeremy Hill looks like he's back. He looks like the guy that I saw the rookie year. And I know he had that big fumble, but, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch him run and see what he does. But he looks like he's got that burst. And, you know, I thought he was a budding superstar at his rookie year. Last year, I didn't even look at the numbers. He just wasn't quite the same guy. I'm expecting to see the guy I saw my rookie year plus something better than that. So it's going to be fun to watch that. Which do you think is the biggest loss to the defense, Vontez Burfecht's suspension or Sheldon Richardson's suspension? Oh, boy, that's a good one. Uh, For this game, I would say Sheldon Richardson. Me too. I'm with you. Yep, you know, he's a dynamic. He gives the Jets defense speed as yep. a pass rusher. Yep. And if you want to pick a weakness of the team, there's a couple. You know, you look at that right side of the Jets offensive line, which is going to be huge. I've already written it down about 50 times. You can have Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap against, you know, Brian Winters. And I'm not sure who they'll start at right tackle for the Jets. They haven't said yet. But those are two matchups that are going to be interesting to watch. But Sheldon Richardson is just so multiple, so fast, athletic. He can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, and he can he can make a, a tackle 15 yards down the field and make you fumble. So uh, that's a big loss. And the Jets, I look at them as a passing team. They're, they just want to find ways to get the football to the wide receivers. And so Vontez Perfect is not going to be, I, I don't think, as big a loss in this game as he would be, would be maybe in some other ones down the line. Phil, who would is is another weakness or not weakness, but maybe a question mark? Edge rusher for the New York Jets. Yeah, I think that's the, I think that's their one to, uh, issue. Is that they, I think they tried to address it this off season. I think we will see. You know, like you said, uh, Richardson out there, but I think that they need more speed to get to the quarterback. They got so many big guys who can really do their job. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson. You know, I. I I know you won't believe this, Dave, but I actually tweeted today. Um, <laughs> wow. <You're my> <laughs> I know, wow. You are my hero. <laughs> I, I had some people, I know. I had to have somebody help me. Now, what do I do? What's the hashtag mean? But I put out there Muhammad Wilkerson and Geno Atkins, two of the best, like, non-superstar superstars in the NFL. I guess that's the way to say it. Right. It, 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 they, they're just great at what they do. They pressure the quarterback, and we don't give them enough credit for pressuring the quarterback. And the thing about Muhammad Wilkerson 
Just watch what he does Sunday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. He will line up at every position along the defensive line. He will play linebacker. He will play middle linebacker. He might even cover the slot uh, receiver sometimes. And it's, it's amazing what they do with him. And the thing that's amazing, he's good at all of them. And I kid you not, he is a rare athlete who's productive no matter where you put him on the field. He doesn't have to line up always against the left tackle or the right tackle. Uh, and that's another thing I want to point out. Nobody gives some of these guys credit, you know, and, and we're at fault in TV. We focus just on the quarterback and maybe a couple other guys. But Geno Atkins and Muhammad Wilkerson are two superstars, literally two superstars that nobody knows about. I hear you, sir. I hear that. I think, I think we broke news on the show tonight. Phil Sims tweeted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm hey, loving that. I, not only that, I, I tweeted, I took some pictures of something today. I'm even going to tweet. I said, man, I am really going all out. So, hey, I, I'm trying to, you, guys, you know how it is. I'm, I'm trying to stay a little bit on the edge with the rest of this world. It's not easy, but I'm trying. I use my iPad and my computer more than ever. And, of course, in this day and age, it's almost you have to. And it's great, of course, for football because you can just accomplish and watch film and do everything that you want. And just you got a thought? Oh well, I'll just type it in and Google it, and I get the answer. It's awesome. So, <laughs> but it's all good. And um, I, like I said to you earlier, I'm really looking forward to this game this week because I. It's week one, and you watch this game week ten. Everybody be talking about well, so and so has an edge because they won the head to head matchup. Because I really do believe these are two of the better teams in the AFC this weekend. Good stuff. Good stuff. Phil, you're always gracious with your time. We greatly appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday in Jersey. Okay. Well, you know what? Like I said, have something. Dave, I don't have to worry about you guys eating, Dan. I don't know about you. you know, but <laughs> no, Dave, good. I know he's going to tear something up. No, but, you know, a couple, what, what's it called? Adult beverages? Yeah, a little adult beverage so, too. You got to do what you got to do, man. So, listen, I look forward to seeing you guys. Uh, Dave, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Dan, thank you so much for having me on. All right, Phil, thank you very much. Okay, Here. guys. Thanks, Phil. Phil Sims and uh, Jim Nance will call the game Sunday on CBS. Here's a quick reminder to stock up on your favorite products by the makers of Pepsi at your local retailer. Grab a Pepsi and some friends and get in the game. Pepsi is the official soft drink of the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming up next, Andrew Whitworth was a first-team All-Pro for the first time in his career last year. Is he actually getting better at the age of 34? I'll ask him when Bengals game plan continues. We are live at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill in Blue Ash. We'll be back in a moment. It's the Bengals game plan show presented by Bud Light. 
here on the Bengals Radio Network. Dan Horton, Dave Lapham, back on the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. We are here along with our engineer, Mike Mills. We have our producer, Brad Steen, back in the studio in our location this week. Envision Cinema's Bar and Grill, where they are reimagining the movie theater experience with their motorized recliners and in-seat dining service at the touch of a button. View the latest Hollywood blockbusters or check out one of their lunch specials any day of the week. Envision Cinema's Bar and Grill at the corner of Kenwood and Cornell here in Blue Ash. 50 TVs, 40 beers on tap, and a very tasty-looking menu. And uh, amazing how many TVs. Every angle you sit here, you can see a great perspective uh, of a game. So on Sundays, this would be an unbelievable place to come and watch the Bengals pound the New York Jets. So show up here on Sunday. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's beautiful in here. The decor is modern and awesome. The, the, uh, the theaters are unbelievable. So it's something for everybody here. But Sunday, let's, let's make this a little gathering spot for Bengal fans to watch the New York Jets get pounded into submission. <laughs> Fine idea, Dave Lapham. The greatest player in Bengals history is an easy call, 11-time Pro Bowler Anthony Munoz. But the current guy holding down his old position is also one of the franchise's all-time greats, Andrew Whitworth. The 34-year-old was a first-time All-Pro last year. And join me after walking off the practice field this afternoon. Which your 11th NFL season gets underway against the Jets on Sunday after 10 years and 158 games. How do you feel physically, and how much longer do you think you want to do this? Uh, you know, as long as I keep having fun and enjoying the game, and right now I still love it. I still have fun going out there and competing. And uh, physically, I, I kind of just gave up on how I'd feel about three or four years ago. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's status quo, as I tell people. It's just what I'm used to. It's about two weeks into the season last year where you got a contract extension. Are there any talks like that going on this year? Might we see something like that again? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, for right now, I think uh, everyone's focus is, is 2016 football season and, and that going well. And, and we'll leave it at that for now, and, and uh, we'll see in the future. You know, you got to stay healthy. you got to produce. Uh, at my age, I realize that. Every, they want to see every week, and, and so I'm excited for that opportunity. You are a first-team All-Pro for the first time last year. Are you getting better in your 30s, or are you just being recognized more? I think a combination maybe of both. I mean, I think that uh, the consistency week to week is probably better and better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think also, too, it's recognition. I mean, because you look at some of the guys across the league. I mean, there's guys like Tyron Smith and some of those young guys that, to me, are, are as good as it gets. And, and sometimes they get recognized and sometimes they don't. And so, uh, you know, right now uh, I think it's uh, something I'll never, uh, you know, apologize for or give back. But it's nice to have recognition one way or the other. We're talking to Andrew Whitworth. Last year, obviously, uh, ended in a very disappointing manner as a longtime captain on this team are you confident that something was learned from the last two minutes of that Steelers game uh, yeah I think uh, more importantly than just learned I think everyone always looks at the negative to it as you know the things that happened to, to lose the game but you know in reality you look at it uh, without a fluke thing like Jeremy I mean it, you know it was a centimeter from being on the ground and the ball not being out uh, you know we, we win a playoff game and and uh, what we did to get ourselves back in that position showed resolve and attitude that we hadn't had in years past in the playoffs so we put ourselves in a chance to win and just didn't finish it up so I think yeah we've learned a lot from that game You've got a new starter on the offensive line this year in right tackle, Cedric Obwehi. What's his biggest challenge in his first start? Well, uh, you know, there's a lot. As a first-time starter, uh, having done it as a young player myself my rookie year, 
um, you know, there's there's overcoming the excitement of the game, the, the energy. Uh, you know, as a young player, I always say, I mean, you, you know, bottom line is you're just going to be out of shape. I mean, you can do all you want, but the game's going to be tiring. There's just so much energy everywhere. Uh, you're exhausted so much trying to do everything right. Uh, you're going to be tired, so just being mentally prepared for that. And then, uh, you know, playing on the edge like he's going to, uh, being prepared for great pass rushers. That's going to be the next challenge. And there's going to be bumps and bruises along the way with that one, but he's got the talent to be great. The Jets are known for their defensive line, led by Muhammad Wilkerson. Describe him. Uh, just a guy who's got it all. I mean, he's a big body, super athletic, long arms, uh, very patient. Uh, you know, the, he, he'll wait for you to make a mistake and capitalize on it. Uh, he plays a little bit of chess with you. I mean, you can watch him play. He's waiting for guys to make mistakes, and, and he capitalizes immediately. And so he's just a guy who's got a little bit of all the abilities you need to be good if it's a lineman. You are opening in the New York City area on 9-11. What kind of lump-in-the-throat experience will you have during those pregame ceremonies? Uh, you know, I think it's tough. It's emotional for me every week. You know, I always you know, I tell my wife uh, she knows this, but not many guys do. I mean, I tear up almost every national anthem just for me because, uh, you know, my college and high school best friend was killed in Iraq uh, the year I was drafted here. So for me, it's always an emotional experience uh, when we sing national anthem and, and just realize what uh, he sacrificed for me to get to do what I do. And so uh, that'll make it even more emotional. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's an awesome experience. It's fun to be chosen for that game. And uh, you hope you just do right, give people honor that deserve it. Whit, stay healthy, have another great season, and thanks for the time. Yep, always. Thank you. That's Andrew Whitworth. Lap, we heard Witt talking about Cedric Obwehi making his first start this Sunday against the Jets. What is your concern level short-term? I know you think Obwehi's going to be very good in the right. long run. Right, A guy that could man that position or, or flip over to the left side, man that position for 10 years or so. But how about game one, first start this Sunday? A lot of things. Um, it could be hot and humid. Um, the conditioning factor that what's talking about is real because of all your emotions i mean you you get such an adrenaline rush your first nfl start i remember it it's you feel like you can pick up the stadium by yourself i mean you 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 are just i mean adrenaline is just coursing through your veins man it's unbelievable you feel like you're superman and it exhausts you so you have to be able to control all that um the other thing is he missed so many snaps he only played 29 snaps in preseason and you can't, you can't manufacture experience of lining up next to Zeitler and taking repetition of snaps. You can go through the mental reps, but there's nothing like the physical aspect of it, the muscle memory that goes with it and all those kind of things. The other thing is recognition. Phil Sims talked about it. The big, one of the biggest challenges is, is like when the Bengals play Baltimore and Pittsburgh and they line up in all these different configurations, recognition, then communicating what you recognize effectively and, and precisely. And he may have three or four different guys lined up onto him because they're so versatile. One, one time the guy he thinks might be on him is lined up at linebacker or he's lined up at defensive tackle or lined up at defensive end. So you have to know who you're block. You have to know where the defense is lining up and what they're doing. And then you'd have to know who to block. So there's going to be a lot of challenges out there. And then on top of that, the, the recognition and communicating with the crowd noise because they're going to be going nuts. So it's, it's hard to hear. And, you know, and the, the more snaps you play, there's unspoken communication that you can get done. But he's so raw and new, 
you know, it, it's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for him. That's why if he starts to struggle at all, you know, mentally or physically, that's why they kept Eric Winston because, you know, first NFL start on the road, 9-11. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And all the emotion, all the adrenaline, all the everything. You know, Winston has been there and done that and gone through, you know, playoff games and everything else that goes along with it. So is he what Cedric Oboye is physically? No. But mentally, he, might he be in a different place? Yeah. And you have to make that decision. There's a balance there in that decision. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. It's time to roar Bengals fans with a special kickoff package. You can catch the home opener against the defending Super Bowl champion Broncos on September 25th. And then the Bengals Thursday night home game against the Miami Dolphins on September 29th. Visit Bengals.com slash tickets because it's not the same if you are not at the game. Coming up next, the Bengals will not have Tyler Eifert, unfortunately, when they open the season. So what exactly happened to his ankle in the Pro Bowl? He tells us next. It's the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We're live at Envision Cinema's Bar and Grill here in Blue Ash. And we'll be back in a moment here on the Bengals Radio Network. Dalton takes the snap, pump fakes, looking to throw, fires. Eifert makes the catch, up the seam, touchdown Bengals as Tyler Eifert strikes again with his NFL leading 12th touchdown catch. Tyler Eifert celebrates a birthday tomorrow as the Pro Bowl tight end turns 26. Unfortunately for a present, he will not be getting ready to face the Jets on opening day. He will be on the rehab field trying to bounce back from off-season ankle surgery. Eifert suffered that injury in the Pro Bowl, and if you were watching, it was hard to tell what happened. He was trying to haul in a pass in the end zone. He came down in the end zone. It didn't appear to be all that awkward, but he managed to tear an ankle ligament. Here's Eifert describing what happened and the treatment procedure that followed. Kind of a fluke thing. My foot just kind of hit the turf. I didn't even, I didn't really turn it or anything like that. It just I think all my cleats were in the ground and my foot kind of twisted and it just makes the ligament that I tore is it's hard to tear. So kind of a kind of a freak thing. Um, the injury I had more times than not, you don't have surgery. And you know, I did everything everything right and followed the protocol and it just it just didn't heal the way it was supposed to. So um, just something that had to be done, I guess. So, Lap, that's where we are. Tyler Eifert will not be ready for opening day on Sunday. He's probably going to miss a few weeks to begin the season, but the fact that the Bengals did not put him on the PUP list right. means that they think he will be back before missing six games. Right, and, you know, you hope, will he make you know, a game in September? Will he make that fourth game? That's Thursday night. It's a shorter week with the, with the uh, Miami Dolphins. But if he does play in that game, then he has a long week to recover from that first action. Or do you say, well, let's just, you know, keep him out for the month of September and, and, and see what happens in October, or can he come back sooner than that? 
if Tyler Eifert just wanted to walk around the streets and play golf, he wouldn't have had surgery. But the surgery was necessary because he, he, he was rehabbing and it was going well, and then he plateaued. And it's like, why isn't this getting any better? And it was that ligament that he's talking about. And, um, you know, they, they had to have they had to perform surgery to get him, you know, up the, up the ramp in terms of rehab so he could plant his foot, get in and out of cuts, you know, uh, withstand the force of big men tackling him, taking him to the ground. I mean, the stress that puts on your knees and your ankles and all your joints is a different dynamic. So that's why he had to have the surgery. It didn't heal like they had hoped, and uh, and obviously it set him back. Cedric he has been the number one tight end during the preseason games. Tyler Croft is back to full participation at practice. Tyler Croft uh, is uh, it, going to be interesting. He didn't take a snap in the preseason. So no no snaps. How will he play against the New York Jets? Darquez Denard, no snaps. How will he play slot corner if that's where they line him up against the New York Jets? If they play exceptionally well, speaks to you don't need training camp you don't need preseason games <laughs> because you know if they, if they if they don't uh if they've been on the rehab field the entire uh preseason basically virtually no snaps in preseason games and if they go out and start and and, and hang in there and play well makes you wonder makes you wonder how much uh how much of this is uh, is really necessary you know i'm a proponent that you don't need four preseason games i uh at the end of my career Played 18 regular season, two preseason games, and that's really that's really all you need. So um, I don't know I don't know if that'll ever change, but uh, if these guys can come out and perform like they're expecting them to perform, I think it builds a case. That was the USFL schedule: yes. 18 regular season, yes. two preseason. I did not know that. Yeah, and uh, and what they did was just like they would in the NFL. They they we had scrimmages. They scheduled scrimmages and practices against another franchise, just like they do with the Minnesota Vikings. Two practices and then, a, you know, a practice and then a scrimmage instead of two practices and a preseason game. So, you know, there, there are ways, uh, different ways to skin the cat in that regard. But you're talking whenever you wonder why, although the money trail on both sides. <laughs> Owners are making money and the players, uh, you know, for them to go from 16 to 18 games, they're going to want to be prorated per game. They don't want the same salary for 18 games. They want it prorated and add me those two games onto my 18. So it's dollars on both sides of the table for sure. Here's a quick reminder that tomorrow is Touchdown Thursday at Papa John's. All fans can receive 50% off regular menu price at PapaJohns.com using promo code BENGALS50. All day tomorrow at participating locations, Papa John's will donate a portion of the proceeds to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Papa John's is the official pizza of the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming up next, admit it, Bengals fans, when Ryan Fitzpatrick started in place of Carson Palmer back in 2008, you did not think he would still be starting for another NFL team eight years later. We will hear from the Harvard grad next when the Bengals game plan show presented by Bud Light continues here on the Bengals radio network. Are you or someone you know active in the community? Kroger and P&G are teaming up to bring a community champion to every Bengals home game. We want to hear your story, so send it in via email to communitychampion at bengals.nfl.net. Dan Horton, Dave Lapham back at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill. The intersection of Cornell and Kenwood here in Blue Ash. We're here tonight until 8 o'clock. The first of eight Wednesday nights, we will host the Bengals game plan show from this great new cinema and bar and grill and vision cinemas here in 
Blue Ash. The New York Jets starting quarterback this Sunday will be a former Bengal, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Harvard grad started 12 games for the Bengals back in 2008 when Carson Palmer was injured. Didn't go very well at first. Fitzpatrick was 1-7-1 and in his first nine starts as the Bengals quarterback before ending the year with a three-game winning streak. He has bounced around quite a bit since. He's played for the Bills, the Titans, the Texans before getting a chance to start last year for the New York Jets. And he had a great season, throwing a team record 31 touchdown passes. Here is Fitzy looking back at his one year with the Bengals. The big thing that I remember from Cincinnati, I, I started some games my rookie year in St. Louis, but the biggest thing I remember is that was really my first chance to get an extended look, to play 12 games in a season, to be the starter for the rest of the year when Carson went down in 08. And that was such a huge uh, year of growth for me as a quarterback in my development. And even though it wasn't pretty a lot of the time, I learned a ton about myself and about playing quarterback. And we'll always be thankful to Marvin for that opportunity and to Coach Zampisi for all that he taught me. I was not here that year, but it sounds like those of you that got to know Ryan Fitzpatrick like him a lot. Class act all the way, you know, and uh, um, he was as good as any quarterback in terms of shouldering blame, deflecting praise. You know, he, he understood that aspect of it and um, – he did, he did understand his limitations, but like you said, Dan, he's got uh, such a competitive fire burning in him that he takes that riverboat gambler mentality and it's like, I can do this. I, you know, I, even, even if he's not, and a lot, everybody in the stands says you're not the best player on the field, he thinks he's the best player on the field. And that's what you have to be you know, at the quarterback position. So um, obviously, tremendous personality. I mean, intelligent an intelligent level of a sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, that dude was, he had, he, he had a great sense of humor. And you had to be on your toes, you know, at all times around him. Just a joy to be around. We need to take a quick time out. Coming up next, it's this week's Know the Foe segment as we talk to Brian Costello from the New York Post. You are listening to the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. This is Bengals Game Plan on the Bengals Radio Network. <laughs> Brought to you by Bud Light, the perfect beer for whatever happens. This is Cincinnati's ESPN, the official home of the Bengals. Dan Orton, Dave Lapham back on the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. We are live at Envision Cinema's Bar and Grill, corner of, well, intersection, I guess I should say, of Cornell and Kenwood here in Blue Ash, not only Cincinnati's nicest movie theater with motorized recliners right uh, but a great bar and grill 50 tvs 40 beers on tap a great menu come out and join us we'll be here for another hour tonight and this is the first of eight wednesday nights that we will be here at envision cinemas in blue ash time for this week's know the foe segment to learn more about the new york jets we are pleased to be joined by a beat writer that covers the team for the new york post brian costello brian thanks so much for giving us some time tonight no problem. Thanks for having me. A lot of folks, Brian, look at the Bengals and look back at the way last season ended with that loss to the Steelers and wondering if there are lingering effects, a hangover, uh, <laughs> yep. if you would. Uh, what about the New York Jets? Because maybe it wasn't quite as painful, but they had a chance to win their way into the playoffs, lost to the Buffalo Bills with their former coach, Rex Ryan. Is there a hangover of any sort 
in that Jets locker room. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I don't think there's a hangover. I do think it's in the back of their minds. I think it's fuel more than anything. You know, I think they, they're very frustrated that they let that slip away like they did. They had won five games in a row to really salvage the season before going to Buffalo and losing. And it's funny, if they had won that game in Buffalo, the Jets would have been in Cincinnati the next week right. for the playoff game. So the, the, the place of these two franchises would have been much different and the team would have been looked, looked a lot differently you know, uh, probably this year than, than it does because who knows how that game would have gone. Uh, I'm sure it would have gone differently for, for the Bengals if the Jets were there instead of the Steelers and the Jets would have been in the playoffs and Ryan Fitzpatrick would have led them to the playoffs so this whole offseason drama with him probably would have been different. Is there a window in the players' minds, a window of opportunity to get something done because there's a lot of 30-somethings on this football team. Brandon Marshall, 32. Nick Mangold, 32. Mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 33. Forte, 30. Decker's 29. He's almost there. David Harris, 33. Revis, 31. Is there a feeling in the locker room like, we got to get something done quickly here if we're going to get something done? Yeah, they don't admit that, but I think there has to be. There's 10 starters that are 30 or over on this team. Uh, so, you know, that, that's a, a win-now team if there ever was one. So I think – they have to know that they, the, the window is not going to be open much longer. Maybe they get next year, too. But the way this team was kind of designed when Mike McCagney took over as general manager before last year, he kind of just rebuilt the roster quickly, spent a lot of money on veterans, knowing that, you know, they were going to need a few years to develop younger talent and rebuild that way, but to remain competitive. And he felt like in the New York market, he had to be competitive. He couldn't do a complete teardown like, you know, the Jaguars or someone like that. Because, right. you know, he'd catch so much heat in this market. So he went out and spent this money. Uh, but, you know, when you go out and spend money on free agents, typically they're older. <laughs> you don't get many young guys as free agents. So this team was kind of, I think, you know, designed with like a three-year window in mind when they started building it last year. So I think it has to be in the back of everyone's mind here, whether they want to admit it or not. Brian Costello from the New York Post is our guest. How significant are the Jets' offensive line issues for Sunday? The biggest issue is right tackle. Uh, Breno Giacomini, who has started here for the last two years, previously started for the Seahawks when they won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, a guy that you, you know what you're getting from. He, he's out with a back injury. He missed an entire training camp. He's on the pup list, physically unable to perform list, so he'll be gone for six weeks, and they don't really know who's going to play right tackle on Sunday. Um, two guys have been playing there, uh, alternating all through camp. Uh, ben Igelana, who's been around for a little while but hasn't really played that much, 
and uh, Brent Qualley, who was an undrafted free agent a couple of years ago, who's really played as a jumbo tight end, never really played a lot of the tackle. Those two guys alternated throughout camp in the preseason. Uh, Todd Bowles said Monday, you know, they could keep alternating because he's not sure who's going to play. They, they, as of Monday, they still didn't know who was going to start on Sunday and who would play. So there's a good chance you'll see both of them on Sunday out there. And really that's the biggest concern. Uh, you know, I think Nick Mangold is getting older. He's still a very good center. He's not quite what he once was. But he's a guy you just have to watch injury-wise. He had some injuries last year and, and getting older like that. And I think for Sunday, uh, Brian Winters is the right guard. Uh, he played pretty well at times last year for them. But, you know, he's going to have a big challenge with the Bengals defensive line. And if Geno Atkins is lining up on him, that could be a problematic matchup for the Jets. Uh Sheldon Richardson suspended. Uh, I asked Phil Sims. We had Phil on earlier this evening and, and said, you know, Vontez Burfecht suspended for the Bengals. Sheldon Richardson suspended for the Jets, which is a bigger hit to their respective defense. And he agreed with me. For this football game, I think it might be Sheldon Richardson. What's the take uh, from what you gather in the locker room about that factor? Ah, boy, that's a good question. I don't know if I would agree with, with that. I think perfect, you know, a huge hit for the Bengals. But Sheldon, they just have so much depth on the defensive line. Uh, you know, they have Muhammad Wilkerson, who's probably the best player on their defense. They have Leonard Williams, who's entering his second year. He was the number six pick last year at a USC. A lot of people considered him the best player in that draft, and he really had a great training camp. So I think having those guys offsets the loss of Sheldon a little bit. Um, you know, I think I think they'll be okay. He was suspended for the first four games last year, <laughs> so they've been through this before, and they played pretty well without him last year. So I don't think it's going to be a huge loss for them on Sunday. Obviously, he's a very good player. They'd be a lot better with him out there. But to me, you know, you guys would know better than me with Perfect, but, uh, you know, just from what I've seen of him, he's such a phenomenal player, and I would think a linebacker would be, you know, so important to, to the way the defense is organized and run more than a defensive lineman. Um, so I would see perfect as a bigger hit, but it's interesting that Tim's thought Sheldon was. Yeah, I think with perfect, same thing. I mean, perfect suspended the first four games last year. Bengals won all four. They started out 8-0. And pupless last right. year, actually. Yeah, pupless last six year, right. Yeah, he was uh, there pupless. last year, right? Yeah. Right, pupless last year uh, for the first six games. They won all six of them without him. Um, you know, and they played um, – the year before without him for quite a few games as well. He is a great player, there's no question. But in the National Football League, like you said, it's next man up. You know, guys have to yeah. step up and expand their role. And, and uh, if everybody does a little, nobody has to do a lot. Yeah, it's funny. The Jets, I mean, the Jets went 3-1, and one, I guess, when he suspended last year. Really the challenge for the Jets is how to figure out to get the three defensive linemen on the field at the same time when they're all out there, Wilkerson, Richardson, and Williams, because they all kind of play the same position. So, you know, that's the challenge for the Jets, and they play a 3-4, so it's hard, you know, they, they have to run some four-man front. So it's, I think it's almost easier on the coaches, in a way, schematically, not having Sheldon to worry about, because they know they're going to play Leonard Williams and Muhammad Wilkerson the entire game, and probably not sub them out very, very much. i just looking at tape. It looked different to me with 91 out of there. I know it's only preseason, but 91 was a factor last year. Richardson was a factor watching uh, – that Jets defense play last year. They're both huge blows. There's no question about it. You, two of their best defensive players for, for their respective teams. 
Brian yeah. Costello from the New York Post is our guest. One more thing from our conversation with Phil Sims in the previous hour. He said that Darrell Revis looks like the Revis of old in the preseason as opposed to an old Darrell Revis. Have you seen the same in training camp in the preseason games? I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, Darrell <laughs> Revis of old was a once-in-a-generation type player. You know, I mean, the, the year you go back to 2009, you know, if you guys remember that, when the Bengals played them at the end of the year and then played them in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that year, he had a year that year that was as good as any cornerback uh, in the NFL that I've ever seen. So he's not that guy anymore. And I think Darrell would admit he's not that guy anymore, but he's still a very, very good cornerback. And some of his struggles last year got a little overstated because the expectations were so high for him. Uh, you know, he had a hard time with a couple of really young very good wide receivers and Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins last year. Right. Other than that, he did a very good job in every other game against the number one receiver. So can he just go out there and cover A.J. Green by himself all day on Sunday? Probably not. They're probably going to have to give him a little bit of help on that, but I think that's like you know every other quarterback in the NFL, and he's probably better still than 95% of them. Yeah. I think Amari Cooper might have given him a little, little trouble in that Raiders game matchup as well. But you're right. I think – I think you're right. I think Revis, at the age that he's at, 31 years old, he's he's 100% of the of the Revis at this point in time. He's never going to be the player he yeah. was, you know, like you say in his prime in his in his mid to late 20s. That's not that's not going to happen. There's no no question. Yeah. Let me ask you about Matt Forte. In your eye, does it look like he has gas left in the tank? It's hard hard for me to judge Forte yet. He had a hamstring injury that kept him out for about the first three weeks of camp, I want to say. He played in the third preseason game, and they gave him a lot of carries in that game, but, you know, the preseason, it's hard to tell a whole lot. Um, you know, what I have seen that I think is going to be a big benefit for the Jets' offense is him as a pass catcher. Right. You know, obviously he had over 100 catches two years ago with the Bears, which is amazing for a running back. And I do think Chan Gailey is going to use him a lot. As a, as a receiver out of the backfield and split him out sometimes. They tried to do that a little bit last year with Ivory, but, uh, you know, Forte's a lot better of a receiver than Ivory was. So it's hard for me to say, you know, is he the same runner that we've seen in Chicago all these years because you know how the preseason is too. Even when he was in there, no one's tackling. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's not very hard to judge the running back position and linemen in training camp. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much is left in their tank, but I do think they got a motivated player. Uh, he was annoyed that Chicago didn't re-sign him. Um, so, you know, that's always an interesting thing. You know, we saw it here with Ladanian Tomlinson. You know, when he came here in 2010, he had a very big year for the Jets in his first year. He tailed off in the second year, but that first year, he, he was really great for the Jets. And I think if Forte can do the same kind of thing, they'd be very happy. My final question for Brian Costello from the New York Post, and it has nothing to do with Sunday's game. How often does an athlete complain about a famous back page New York Post headline, even though you have nothing to do with writing the headlines? The, the, the headlines on the Internet have gotten a lot, lot more attention now these days than the back page headline. It's, it's all the time now is the, the headlines that are on our website. That can annoy the players more than anything, and I have nothing to do with those either. But, yeah, the back page, you know, it's funny, the back page one that I think about, I tell a story a lot, is in 2009, 
when the Jets and Bengals played in the playoffs. I went to I came to Cincinnati to do the Bengals advance work that week. I wasn't on the beat then, but I, I was around here a lot. But I came there, and the big story that week was Chad Johnson and me that was banged up. And he, uh, he t- we asked him, How is, how's your knee doing? And he said, fine. And he told us that he had had some, you know, uh, he had had some fun with a woman the night before, and that was the way he knew his knee was okay, and it made our back page. <laughs> it was on the post back page. And I remember thinking, I don't know how he's going to respond to this. And when I walked in the locker room, he came over and gave me a hug because he liked it so much. <laughs> That's Chad. That's our boy right there. Final question for me. What was the back page headline when the Jets decided to keep four quarterbacks? <laughs> yeah, there, there, it wasn't really one this weekend because we all saw it coming for so long. But right. I think there was a lot of back page headlines when they drafted Hackenberg. I think Hack Attack was one of them, I remember. And uh, right. they, they, that drew a lot of attention. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation. But at first I was like, yeah, they can't keep four quarterbacks. But then the more I thought about it, Teams kind of do this with different positions all the time where they, you know, you have an offensive lineman that you drafted that you really like that you keep on the roster because you don't want anyone to get him, and he doesn't play at all. He's inactive for all 16 games. So I think that's what they're doing here. Uh, it's just it's interesting that it's, you know, the quarterback position. Brian, thanks so much for the time. Uh, it's great to uh, learn a lot about the New York Jets from your perspective, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday. All right, guys, thanks. Thank you. That is Brian Costello, who covers the Jets for the New York Post. We need to take a quick time out. Coming up next, after 13 years as the Bengals quarterback's coach, Ken Zampezi finally gets his chance to call the plays on Sunday. We'll talk to him next. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light on the Bengals Radio Network. Dan or Dave Lapham and our engineer Mike Mills back at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill here in Blue Ash for the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. Our producer this week back in the studio is Brad Steen. Here is a quick reminder that this coming Friday from 3 to 6, it's the first Bengals pep rally show of the year. We'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings, their Kings Mills location. That is going to be the location for the first three Fridays of the Bengals pep rally show. Again, Buffalo Wings and Rings, Kings Mills location from 3 to 6. Our special guest in the final hour this coming Friday will be Bengals rookie wide receiver, punt returner, and kick returner Alex Erickson. So we look forward to being out at Buffalo Wings and Rings, Kings Mills, on Friday from 3 to 6. And Bengals fans, on Mondays, make sure to join myself, Dave Lapham, and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line, presented by Bud Light, live at the Holy Grail from 6 to 9 p.m. And it's a wide receiver uh, shows coming up. We got Alex Erickson on Friday, and we get AJ Green on Monday in the first uh, hour. The players will be there. Uh, have not designated a defensive player at this point in time. But remember, it's on Monday nights, except when the Bengals play the Giants in New York on Monday night. And then, of course, it's Tuesday night, the day after that game. AJ Green, Monday night. Yeah, Holy Grail. Get yes. in line now. AJ <laughs> AJ Green, because he's got that baby coming That's here right. in the month of September. So. We uh, decided that it'd be nice to get it out of the way early, and he graciously agreed. Now, normally, I do not put a lot of stock into preseason predictions from writers and internet folks, etc. But I will admit that I was a little bit stunned when one writer from NFL.com predicted that the Bengals would go four and twelve. Yeah. His reasoning for the drop of eight wins was connected to the departure of, of offensive coordinator. 
Hugh Jackson. And, and for the record, I think Hugh was tremendous. He was a great hire by the Cleveland Browns. And I think he will be a fine head coach. But let's take a look at some numbers. Last season, the Bengals were seventh in the NFL in scoring mm-hmm. with 419 points. In Jay Gruden's final year as Cincinnati's offensive coordinator, the Bengals were sixth in the NFL in scoring and had 430 points. So continuity and the talent has something to do with how good the offense has been in recent years. And new offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi has a lot to work with as he begins calling the plays this Sunday against the New York Jets. Ken sat down with a lap and yours truly to discuss that big first game coming up this Sunday. We're joined on this week's show by offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. This will be your sixth year working with Andy Dalton. Describe your relationship and how has he grown over the course of six years? Well, the fun part is he's someone that we handpicked. We we hoped he would be there. He was there, and we picked him. It doesn't always happen that way, and it happened that way with him, and it just makes it even better because you always want the one you want. And we got him. We've been grooming him. He's been grooming himself. And uh, now we're here, and we're pushing forward to the next step. His uh, compatriot... Uh, AJ Green, they've been together. Andy and AJ, it's like you know peanut butter and jelly. You can't have one with the other without the other here in Cincinnati. And they're both good, but they're almost better together, like peanut butter and jelly a little bit. But so you you got that that staple going. Now you got some uh, some young guys. Talk about the uh, the three rookies that that all made the football team and what they bring to the table for you at the wide receiver position. Well, we have uh, Tyler Boyd, who is very uh, savvy, uh, football intelligent. Um, instincts oriented guy that catches the ball very well so i'm excited to see what's going to happen when the lights go on on the big stage because i don't think it'll matter much to him uh cody core young guy from uh, mississippi big tall fast just a just a great kid very willing tough doesn't say boo and he just goes and goes and goes and then alex erickson who uh who just keeps playing every he never gets tired he catches every ball he finds a way to get open he breaks tackles. He just does more than any, more than what you think every time. He, he always exceeds expectations. We're visiting with new offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. Your former colleague, Jay Gruden, calls you the most detailed guy he has ever seen. Is that a pretty good description in your opinion? Oh, gosh. I, there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of things he said. <laughs> I'll take that one certainly as a compliment. I really uh, enjoyed working with Jay. He, uh, he made football fun again. You know, when he walks in the door, everybody's got a smile on their face. There's just certain guys that, that have things about him, and he's got that about him. He, he was certainly fun, a really good friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, probably pretty detail-oriented. I think that's pretty important. The uh, offensive coordinator position for the Cincinnati Bengals says the last two guys in that job were head coaches in the National Football League now, Jay Gruden, Hugh Jackson. So are uh, you dusting off that resume, Coach? I mean, it's, it's a deal where, I mean, everybody aspires to get as high in a profession, their chosen profession, as they possibly can. Here you are now as an offensive coordinator. That's going to be part of the dream. Is your dream eventually to be a head coach? My dream is more in process. I, I want our process to be smooth. I want our players to play better than they did last week, faster than they did last week. That's really the only thing that matters because that's really the only thing you're in control of. So we'll just stay in the in the side where we're, we're in control on the left side of the sheet and leave, leave all that other stuff over there because we just need to win game score points. So we'll handle that part. 
We're talking to offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. Your father was a highly successful offensive coordinator in the NFL, part of a Super Bowl a championship team with the Dallas Cowboys. Did you grow up with a fascination in kind of the, the chess match aspect of football as a result? I don't think so. I think that just comes as you get into coaching and you realize, okay, what do we need to do to win? And then you start matching up personnel and formations. Until you get to that point, you have no idea about any of that stuff. You just know that, that your father's good at this and he has success, and that's about all you know. Did the coaching bug bite early? I mean, did, did, were you a guy, I'm sure you were always at practice with your dad and you, around players all the time and everything. At that point in time, you are probably playing the game, and that was your focus at that point in time, playing football. When did the coaching part of it, when did that bug bite? Boy, a bit hard as soon as I graduated from college and realized I had to work for a living. <laughs> and then I went right to graduate school like any smart guy would do and go hide for a while and start coaching and, and try another avenue where you, where you didn't have to go 9 to 5 every day. And then, then I, I enjoyed it and it worked out and, you know, I have, a lot, I have a lot of fun with it and I have a passion for it and that's good. He was obviously a mentor, but who were some of the other ones where you got your offensive approach? Well, it, my first mentor was Bob Cope at USC when I was coaching the secondary with him as a graduate assistant. He was a fantastic person and, and treated me so well and let me contribute to the process. And he was one of the best defensive coordinators and defensive minds I've, I've ever seen. And then there's other guys along the way. Mike Martz shaped me so much, just as the way you go about uh, putting people in places, how you handle players, how you handle situations that don't go right. Uh, the confidence on a daily basis. Uh, he was fantastic. And the guys that we've worked with here, you know, Coach Lewis and uh, uh, Coach Jackson, you know, all the people that have been through here, there's been some fantastic football coaches through here. And, and they, you take a piece from everybody along the way. It uh, seems like the foundation to success over the years here, a few years in, uh, specifically, five straight playoffs, six out of seven years, the foundation has been smart players that care. You guys have been a, done a heck of a job of identifying smart players that care about their profession and, and are willing to grow and, and develop and all that. Um, that's That's been pretty admirable. you feel like you have a, a, a real strong crew in that regard this year? I do. I do. We have a lot of guys that care. We have a lot of guys that are back. So they're guys that fit into that mold already, and now we've added a couple to it. So uh, those the guys that we've added have, have fit in nicely, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do when we do it live. Jeremy Hill had a tremendous rookie year, wasn't quite as productive last year. What do you notice about him going into year three? Uh, a renewed focus and energy, uh, attention to detail, uh, and appreciation for the process. Not as much for the result. Results happen. Process is your choice, and we're going to work at that and live in that world. And, and the other things just happen as a result of a good process. So I see him more on that side of the ledger as we go into this year, and uh, I really like where he's at. Coach, appreciate the time. Best of luck this week. Thank you. Ken Zampezi says Jeremy Hill has renewed focus and energy. We're going to hear from Jeremy in a few minutes talking about putting the fumble behind him. But what have you noticed from camp in the four preseason games? I think uh, Ken Zampezi hit it very well, a, a renewed focus. Um, and I, I like the fact that uh, in energy – with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I, I like that summation. I also like the fact that he's away from the celebration dances and all that, you know, sprint to the sideline and when the linemen come off the field, you know, I uh, thank them for job well done. And, you know, I think, I think that he handled a tragic situation about as well as can be handled. He faced the music immediately and continued to face it in that locker room. That had to be a hard, hard thing to do. And uh, every time I saw him in the off season, he handled himself extremely well. So I think he grew from the experience. You know, you can either grow from the experience or assume the fetal position and collapse from it. And, you know, he's, he hasn't done that. He's picked himself back up off the carpet, and uh, he's grown from it. So I, I think he's going to have a big year. I really believe that. I think, uh, I think Jeremy Hill is in great shape. We just saw him today walking through uh, the locker room, you know, in shorts and T-shirt kind of thing. I mean, he's, he's caught up pretty good. He's in, he's in great shape. I think he's ready to roll. We are going to hear from Jeremy Hill on that very topic, bouncing back from perhaps the most costly fumble in Bengals history. Jeremy Hill is next. You're listening to the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. This is the Bengals Radio Network. The pack's in the eye behind A.J. McCarron. He will turn left, give it to Jeremy Hill. Hill running down to the 20. The ball comes out. The Steelers pick it up and get tackled back at the 9-yard line. Are you kidding me? The Bengals are pointing to the ground, but the Steelers have the football. When the Bengals players returned to Cincinnati for their first minicamp this past offseason, local reporters, including Lap and yours truly, flocked to Jeremy Hill's locker to hear how he would handle discussing the elephant in the room, that costly fumble in the playoff loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jeremy knew the topic was uh, going to be coming up. He stood there in front of his locker, and he faced the music. Here is that conversation with Jeremy Hill. I think, you know, for me as a player, I think, you know, adversity, you know, people respond to it in all different type of ways. And I think for me, um, you know, it would probably define my career, how I respond this season to, you know, what happened last year. So, you know, I definitely can't overlook that and definitely can't underplay it. I mean, it's the elephant in the room every time I walk in somewhere. So, you know, you can't run it. Yes, yeah, so it's the elephant in the room anytime I walk in somewhere. So you can't run away from that. Um, you know, it's the moments that define us as football players. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the challenge next season. Well, the agony of your face, I, it was it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, 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 how, how bad did you feel? It's uh, rough, especially uh, you know doing everything we did to get back in that situation and put ourselves in a position to win the game. And, um, having one job to do and obviously coming short of that. But, um, you know, like I said, um, one play doesn't define you, but, um, you know, when you stack a bunch of plays, that definitely can. So that's what I'm trying to do next year, you know, just keep putting plays together and, uh, you know, turning it around. What is the textbook like? Did you – do what you were supposed to do? I mean, the ball was high tight, but I, like I said, uh, he kind of just made a play. I mean, I would say no, you never want to fumble or hurt your team though in that situation, but he made a play. So, you know, hats off to them. They made a play, but um, I'm probably shooting for never that. Never happened again. I guess the, the thing is, they could just fall down, I guess. That's... Yeah, you definitely can. I think, you know, definitely trying to fight for extra yard and 
just competitive nature flowing, especially against that team. Um, but like I said, it happened. Can't change it. How have your teammates been? Great, teammates great. Been? Very supportive. Um, very supportive, um, uplifting, and, uh, you know, they have all the faith in me. So I think that that's that's my biggest worry, that I lost the respect and the faith in my teammates. But they all, if not, they don't respect me more now. So. Was there anybody that said anything that you knew was going to be okay? Oh, no, man, everyone. Everyone did a phenomenal job just, you know, keeping me up, keeping my spirits up, and, you know, um, making sure that, uh, you know, how they felt about it and how they felt about me. So everyone. Lap, let's talk about the importance of Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard and the running game in general. No Marvin Jones, no Mohamed Sanu, no Tyler Eifert, at least for the first few games of the season. Is Ken Zampezi likely to go to a heavy dose of run as long as it's working? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that uh, it, it's vitally important. You know, 11 rushing touchdowns for, for Jeremy last season, I think tied for the, or no, was the most in the National Football League and. He's got seven rushing touchdowns in the last eight games, you know, going back to the playoff games, um, back to the playoffs. So, obviously, you know, he's he's a critical element. And then Giovanni Bernard, the dual factor that he is, he's got a 1,000 scrimmage yards, well over a 1,000 scrimmage yards in both of his career years. So um, th- those guys are, are vitally important. I mean, you know, we talk about Forte and how he's such a great receiver coming out of the backfield. That's Giovanni Bernard. He runs routes like they put him in the slot as a receiver. I mean, he can run routes. It's like James Brooks that Boomer Sison had. James Brooks ran routes as well as the wideouts did. Marshall Falk ran routes as well as the Rams wideouts did and caught the ball like Geo catches the ball like wide receiver. So Forte is the same kind of guy. I think, you know, those kind of running backs are unbelievably valuable because, you know, we say it all the time when it's a check down to Giovanni Bernard, it's like it's like a sweep in the running game. Just get the ball out in space to Giovanni Bernard to let him do something with it. and uh, But then, again, he can also run a downfield route with precision and get separation and then catch the football well for the quarterback. So th- those guys are extremely invaluable. And uh, particularly, you know, with the diminished uh, experience at the wide receiver position, uh, I think that's all going to be shared. And Giovanni Bernard has been amongst the top four receivers at the end of the season every year he's been here. No, he'll, he's good for 50. You can just stamp him for 50 catches a season, you know. And uh, I, I think I think he's going to be utilized. And, you know, Rex Burkhead's another one, another great catch of the football. To me, Eric, uh, Alex Erickson and Rex Burkhead fall into the same category. They're football players. I don't put a position on those guys. They're just football players. We're on the, when they're on the field, something positive happens. You know, when they have the ball in their hands, and even when not, because they block, they do everything they're supposed to do. They're just really, really good football players. They may not be the fastest, the strongest, jump the highest, but they know how to play football. A couple of years ago, Jets head coach Todd Bowles was the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, and they blitzed more often by percentage than any other team in the NFL. So the Jets, even though he's not calling the defenses, still reflect that personality. Will there be opportunities for big plays in the running game if you hit it right when they're coming with some sort of exotic pressure? There is, but he especially does that when it's third and long. When he gets you behind the chains, when he gets you off schedule, they're they're bringing at least five, you know, sometimes as many as eight, it seems like. They are bringing bringing the house. So, again, if you, you have to be efficient with your running game 
and do something on first and second down with your run-pass mix to make sure you're not sitting third and seven or more because then it's, it's very, very challenging. If you're third and, you know, four or less, you can kind of control that damage a little bit. So it's going to be, I think, the early down uh, success and execution is going to be a big, big factor in this game. Here's a quick reminder to visit Bengals.com slash TriHealth throughout the season for the weekly edition of Living Better with TriHealth. This week, learn about fan care with TriHealth's event medicine team on game days at Paul Brown Stadium. We're going to take a timeout. Coming up next, Sam Weish could have been talking about linebacker Carlos Dansby when he said, you don't live in Cleveland, (laughs) you live in Cincinnati. Dansby signed with the Bengals after two years with the Browns, and we will hear from Carlos Dansby next. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We're live at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill in Blue Ash here on the Bengals Radio Network. And back on the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. We are here at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill in Blue Ash, and we will be back here next Wednesday night, September 14th, 6 to 8, for our next Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. The Bengals open the season this Sunday against the Jets in New Jersey. Last year, the New York Jets ran more four wide receiver formations than any other team in football. They spread you out try to create some one-on-one opportunities for their great big wide receivers. Brandon Marshall, who had 109 catches for 1,502 yards and 14 touchdowns, and Eric Decker, who had 80 catches for 1,027 yards and 12 touchdowns, 26 touchdown catches for their two wide receivers, Marshall and Decker. Here's Bengals linebacker Carlos Dansby, on defending that four-receiver spread attack of the New York Jets. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I got 19 picks for a reason. So, you know, um, I, I'm taking my eyes on me. I'm putting my, my, my eyes on me um, to go out and play well in space. And um, like I said, against the pass, I, I, I think I hold my own. You must have seen Ryan Fitzpatrick a few times. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had our run in a couple of times. You know, I dropped one or two on him, you know. And, um, you know, so I think I picked up every quarterback that played so far, you know. Uh, <laughs> Especially the guy that, that's third and above, you know, I got every last one of them, you know. And um, I said, I'm, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to go out and do my part and um, try to, you know what I'm saying, inspire guys to keep continue to play at a high level. Lap, let's talk about the Bengals linebackers defending passing attacks because it has not been a strength of the team in recent years. Fontes Burfick, despite not being all that fast, is actually a good coverage linebacker just cause, because he's so savvy and he knows where to be and when to be there and, and he manages to make plays. But it's not Ray Maluga's strength, obviously. He's a run stopper, not a, not a pass defender. So you add Carlos Dansby, you draft Nick Vigil. Right. Are those the guys that will be on the field in passing situations this Sunday? I'd be surprised if they're not. Dansby, the next interception he gets will give him 20 interceptions and 41 sacks. And it'll make him the uh, the fifth player in NFL history to have 20 or more interceptions and 40 or more sacks. So you can blitz him, you can drop him into coverage. Um, he's he knows like like Vontez Burford, He not only still has his legs, he can run a little bit. AJ Hawk lost his legs. Uh, Carlos Dansby still has his, and he takes great angles. I mean, he's a football A plus in football geometry, like Vontez Burford. That's what Vontez understands. He reads things, takes perfect angles, no wasted steps, no wasted motion. Danby's uh, cut from that cloth. And Nick Vigil, you know, runs 4'6", 240-pound guy that runs 4'6". So he's a linebacker that can can really run. He understands 
uh, the concepts, the interception he made. You know, he knew the Colts at the red zone. We're going to run four verticals. He got a deep, deep drop, made a great play for his interception, on, uh, undercut the receiver, made a great play on it. Yeah, I think even though he's a rookie, and particularly in the absence of Vontez Burford, I think we will see those guys out in the field uh, in, in the nickel and dime packages. Lap, earlier in the show we mentioned that tight end Tyler Croft is back to full participation in practice, so it looks like he'll be able to make the dance on Sunday against the Jets, even though he did not play in a preseason game. The other guy who did not play in preseason games that they are hoping to have back this Sunday is Darquez Denard. He was limited in practice today as he continues to try to come back from the ankle injury he suffered early in camp. And that's the thing. You know, when they start to practice, that's the first step. But Monday practice, even though it was kind of a walkthrough, there weren't any helmets or pads, they did run, and they ran hard. It was a good tempo. How does he feel Tuesday? How does he feel Wednesday? Well, obviously the ankle is bothering him a little bit because he didn't do as much today. It's a better sign that Croft was able to go full today after going full on Monday. So who knows about Darquez Denard? And if they do activate him on the 46-man roster and decide to put him in the slot, how long will he be able to go? So you just, you know, it's, it's, is there a pitch count on him? Not by anyone's choice, just by the fact that he's not 100% yet. And, uh, you know, will, will he jazz the injury? And uh, hopefully, you know, if he does play, he doesn't uh, exacerbate the injury and, and set him back even more weeks or anything like that. You know, knock on wood for something like that. The Bengals elected to go with fewer defensive linemen on the 53-man roster than they normally do. Normally they keep nine or ten. This right. year they kept eight. And one of the eight did not practice at all today. His injury is listed as an Achilles. Big Pat Sims, great Hard to uh, move run stopper in the middle of that defensive line. But if you have an Achilles injury with that kind of size and girth and, and pressure you're putting on your your uh, ankles and knees and that sort of thing, that's, that's, that's troublesome, you know. The fact that he didn't practice on a big practice day with an Achilles issue makes you, you know, makes you concerned a little bit. So you'll be a little bit thin at, uh, at defensive tackle, but in that case, you know, everybody else has to step up a little bit, so nobody has to do a lot. You know, it'd be, it'd be a three-man defensive tackle rotation. The thing is, in uh, in passing downs, Marcus Hunt and Will Clark both have an ability to kick down inside, and you know, it would be kind of a, a a wider rotation of down linemen with fewer people because they're down, you know, bodies. Um, Domata, Gino, and Deshaun Williams are going to have to handle that. Deshaun's going to have to step up in the running game. In the New York Jets offensive line, and they were 10th in the NFL running the ball last year. That's why you talked about that spread formation. It also creates running lanes. When they spread it out and empty the box, you've got running lanes, and there's not as many linebackers in the box and everything else. So, you know, the, the defensive linemen, their play against run becomes that more, much more accentuated, and you have to be able to take on your responsibility, shed the block and all that. So Deshaun Williams, his forte is not run defense. His forte is pass rush. Um, so hopefully, you know, he, he can't get engulfed in there. He has to show up in the, uh, defending the run. So, uh, it is the, the rotation that's, that's, that's going to be a little bit of a concern. And, uh, again, if your role's expanded, you have to step up and get it done. If everybody contributes a little bit, nobody has to be the big horse and contribute too much, but I'd be very tempted if I were going to rotate Gino, you know, every third series, I might make it every four, <laughs> I might leave him in there an extra series, depending on how many plays. You know, if he was 
in on a, God forbid, a 10-yard touchdown, a 10-play touchdown drive, I might stay with my rotation. But if he's involved in three and outs early on, I keep rolling that big beast out there. You know, I mean, it's, if, you, if, you, uh, if you get through the first quarter and uh, he's only got seven plays under his belt, man, let the big dog eat. Let him roll. One more note from today's injury report, and it's a good one for the Bengals. Both of the second-year offensive linemen who were injured during the preseason, Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher, were full participation today. We need to take our final timeout. Coming up next, our first installment of the last lap for 2016, and a look back at three memorable games that lap played in against the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 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 This is the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light. That was unrehearsed. That was good. Presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. (laughs) Dan Orton, Dave Lappin, back on the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. We've had a great night tonight here at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill in Blue Ash, the intersection of Cornell and Kenwood. We will be back here next week. And this is the first of eight times we will do the show from this location. So we hope as the word gets out, more and more folks will come out and see us here in Blue Ash. If you were to envision what you think a theater slash sports bar type entity should be, yeah. that's what this you have right it. here. Envision. Plus a great event space as well. No question. I mean, parties and you things can have, like that. Yeah, some corporate parties, family celebrations. can do it all out here in Envisions. It is time for our first episode of The Last Lap. Uh-oh. This year, that's the way we end the show each week. We are going to turn the clock back, Dave Lapham, to your playing career and three memorable games against the New York Jets. Are you ready? I'm ready, Coach. The date was December 12, 1976. You were on the field in a Bengals uniform to see Joe Namath's last game as a member of the New York Jets. It did not go well for Joe Willie Namath. He had a passer rating that day of 0.0. Kenny Riley picked him off three times. Kenny Riley had three interceptions in more than one occasion. He and David Fulcher, I think, are the only two guys in franchise history to accomplish that feat multiple times. And I almost felt sorry for Joe Willie Namath. My younger brother, Roger, uh, ended up working in uh, football camps with Joe Namath and said he was the greatest guy in the world. And Joe Namath had one of these memories, Dan, for names. When he was broadcasting after he was done playing, he came to Riverfront Stadium and came like three years later and knew all the people's names that were working the stadium, first names. It's like, wow, that's unbelievable. But, yeah, he was he was horrible that day. But I remember going up to uh, seeing him at midfield after the game, and I was looking for something to get his autograph. Seriously, I looked at him, and I said, Joe, I'd, I'd like to get your signature. And he goes, well, on what? And I, I didn't have anything to, to get it done on. Everybody else was looking at me like, you jerk. I'm this Joe Namath. Are you kidding me? He was four for 15, yeah. 20 yards. No touchdowns, four picks, and you asked for an autograph. Yeah. Nice sympathy, Lapham. <laughs> I, I just remember that Super Bowl where he's leaving the field shaking that index finger. All right, we move ahead to 1981, the Bengals' first Super Bowl season. In week one, you rallied from a 21 nothing deficit to beat Seattle. That was the game where Ken Anderson got yanked in right. favor of Turk Schonert. Yep. Turk led the great comeback, and then Ken pleaded with Forrest Gregg in the middle of the week to give him another shot against the Jets. And he led the team on a great comeback. It was 14-0, then 17-3, came back to beat the Jets 31-30. And that was against the sack exchange. Mark Gastineau, Joe Klecko, Marty Lyons, Abdul Salam. I can't think of what his name was in those days, but he changed his name to Abdul Salam. At any rate, those guys were, I mean, unbelievable pass rushers, particularly, you know, on the edge with Gastineau and, and, uh, and Klecko. 
And, and the thing I remember most about that game, in the very first uh, possession, Kenny thought, you know, all during the week he was thinking about how do I keep guys loose. And the night before the game, we were talking about, we talked about a few things I rooming with him at that point in our careers. And, and he decided, unbeknownst to me, he comes into the huddle the very first series and looks at everybody and he goes, all right, now, first time I throw the football, it's going to be the right quarter in the field. So when I throw that interception, I want you guys to get over there and cover. Make sure you tackle him. I don't want to take him back. And we're looking at him like, I'm looking at him like, you can't give him a cut sign. Like, what? And, but he thought it was kind of humorous. I do. Yeah, I mean, good. everybody's kind of like, it's funny, but it's, it's not, not real funny right now. It, but it, it did it. He, he was – he was amazing that game, and you go from where he went against the uh, Seattle Seahawks to what he ended up being MVP of the of the league, and that's that, that's a guy you talk about rebounding, you talk about being resilient. It was uh, the greatest example I've ever seen. We've got about two minutes left for our final trip down memory lane, and you're happy we don't have a lot of time right. to discuss this because right. the following year, the year after you went to the Super Bowl, you made it back to the playoffs, right. you hosted the Jets and got destroyed 44-17, Freeman McNeil setting an NFL postseason record at the time by rushing for 211 yards. I think we had like a 14-3 lead, if I'm not mistaken, at some point in that game, too. We got off to an early lead, and Freeman McNeil roasted us. The thing I remember most is in that game, uh, Danny Ross uh, blocking on Joe Klecko on the backside, did a scoop block and cut his knees, and Joe Klecko got up, and just cussed Danny Ross out, and Dan's like, oh, my, his eyes are as big as hard-boiled eggs. And I had been in an, a wrist-wrestling competition in Vegas uh, the off-season before. Klecko was amongst the participants. I didn't wrist-wrestle him, but we got to know each other, and he comes up to me, he goes, lap him. He goes, come on, man. He goes, if, if he does that again, you and I, we're going to go down. And I'm, I'm looking at Danny, and Danny goes, you go down with him. I'm not going down. I mean, Klecko was out of his mind and sense. And I said, look, I said, go talk to that guy. I pointed to Forrest Gregg. I said, all he's doing is what Forrest Gregg is coaching us to do, and it was, uh, it was interesting. Klecko was like a like a uncaged lion at that point. He was mad, mad, mad. Lap, I will see you at Buffalo Wings and Rings, Kings Mills location, Friday from 3 to 6. Alex Erickson joins us in the final hour. I look forward to that, Dan the Man. All right, me too. Thanks to everybody here at Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill for their hospitality tonight. Thanks to our engineer, Mike Mills, for setting everything up. And thanks to our producer, Brad Steen, back in the studio. For Dave Lapham, I'm Dan Horde. You've been listening to the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light here on the Bengals Radio Network. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. This is Bengals Game Plan on the Bengals Radio Network. Brought to you by Bud Light, the perfect beer for whatever happens. This is Cincinnati's ESPN, the official home of the Bengals. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.